Uh, before we get into the show, I'm glad Wimpy's here because I bet he's noticed this. Uh, mm-hmm. Wimpy, have you have you noticed that there is like a trend online now to just do like a screencast of Linux distros and and put some music to it? Like, have, <laughs> have you, you noticed? <laughs> have you noticed some of my posts? <laughs> here's like here's like here is Exhibit A, Ubuntu yeah. Mate 16.04. Uh, here yeah. is uh, Exhibit B. <laughs> It was all, also very dramatic, yeah. I like this one. Uh, and then, of course, yeah. here is C right here. Here's a good one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, of course, you, you, can know, put, you can put, like, elementary in there. You can put solos in there. You'll see all kinds of stuff come up. Like, this is, like, a you, thing you've, now. You've missed, you've missed my favorite genre. Oh, what's that? Which is the, this is the voice-synthesized reading oh, of Oh, I have seen some of these. Su- site yeah so you get these screen caps with a computer yeah it's yeah, and, yeah and it's bad too it's usually not so good is there an audience yeah. for this shit? is this something i should be doing here because no. no okay no, no, <laughs> your no, audience no, no. is the people that show up in forums and that's all they've seen and then... yeah i guess so, so i guess it webs, webs so the, the appetite the ones with uh music and stuff there is an audience for that and that's if you're wanting to demo something um, to an international audience, you know, where you don't need to say anything, where what you're doing is obvious. And, you know, why would you put a video up that has no sound at all? So I kind of can see an edge case for that. But they are growing in popularity and they have got sort of limited value. This is Linux Unplugged, episode 127 for January 12th, 2016. Welcome to Linux Unplugged, your weekly Linux podcast that's got a chicken in the slow cooker for dinner tonight. My name is Chris. My name is Wes. Hey there, Wes. Guess what? We have a fun show on episode 127. Oh, a couple of topics that we've been fortunate enough to follow here on the Unplugged Show. Got some interesting updates this week, so that's where we're going to start. Then we're going to get into feedback about ButterFS as a home file system versus ZFS. Oh, that's kind of nerdy. Hey. Interview with the, uh, the guys behind Scale. There was a about a 10-minute interview we ran in the Linux Action Show this Sunday. Well, an interesting part of that got left out, got cut out from that interview, so that way it would fit in the show, and we're going to play that part. It's about what's new at Scale and what's big and different about Scale in 2016. We'll play that, and then, Wes, brace yourself for Remix OS. Remix OS for the PC launched today, January 12th, 2016. Are you excited? I am excited. Now I don't know if I'm excited. We should try it and see. We're going to try it and see. In fact, we're going to try it and see. We're going to get a demo of it from them at the floor of CES. I, think I got I'm more a... curious than excited. Let's say. That yeah, way. I guess that's curious is the way to put it. And you know what, Wes? I got it running right here on the machine. Oh no way! Running right here on my machine in, in a virtual machine. We'll, uh, oh well, that doesn't count. We'll do a little walkthrough right now. I know. And then at the end of the show, you ever get stuck being tech support in fr- with friends, family? How do you get out of that? Or is it our duty? Is it our duty? We're going to do a little debate. Deep questions here. I know, I know. And you know how? You know why we can do these deep probing questions, Wes? I think I do. It's because we have that awesome mumble room. Time appropriate greetings, virtual lug. Pip, pip. Hello. 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 All right. So uh, guess what? We're going to do a little topic updates before we get into that whole show. And uh, I love the name. I mean, this is, I think, one of the reasons we're doing it in the show. It's called Snapcraft. Snapcraft 1.0 is Ubuntu Snappy Creator Tool officially released it's canonical. Uh, it's got a tool out there now, and I don't know if anybody in the mumble room <clears throat> might know any more about this than I do, but it's a new tool to generate, I would assume, 
custom snappy Ubuntu Linux images. It was pretty cool. Snapcraft 1.0, they're already talking about plans for a new version, which is going to support 16.04, because the current one is based on 15.04. Nice. Yeah, and I think this is a great way to just let people go out there and make their own snappy-based images. I was wondering how exactly that custom tailoring was going to work from like a, hey, I have an idea, right? and I want to use snappy to do it. Like, let's say Ryan was sitting around here, you know, he's talking about doing the Minecraft project, and this is like, you know, down the road. Sure. And you just want to go with Ubuntu Snappy. Uh, I was kind of wondering, what was that process like? Right. I think this kind of makes sense. What and, tools do you need? And I like the name, Snapcraft. Yeah, that's fun. You have any uh, any insights or opinions, Popey, you want to share with the crowd? Yeah, it's kind of uh, moved on pretty quickly. I, I don't work directly on Snapcraft or Snappy myself, um, but I work with people who do, of course. And uh, it's um, so it's, it's a tool, really, for to overcome the problem that you know we've said we're going to have a different packaging system in the personal desktop right and part of the problem there is people say well i've got all these applications and i i want them to be available to users but i don't want to have to learn a whole new packaging system it's hard enough to create rpms and debs and whatever else i don't want to have to learn something else and that's where snapcraft was born you create a single yaml file that defines the configuration run snapcraft and boom out out pops a, a snappy package and you chuck it in the store and you're done. That sounds very easy to use. Yeah, that's great. Uh, Hard to get simpler than YAML, really. Yeah, yeah. I, I wonder if you're going to see. I wonder if you're going to see just uh, this will just be like the obvious choice since there's something here to do now. Like uh, there's just this is how you make these. Their uh, focus on robot operating system tools is kind of interesting. <laughs> just like that term. <laughs> yeah, you know, operating systems for robots. Oh man, Snappy will be the end of us all. Uh, so I want to just uh, give a mention. We are we do have a, a beverage that Wes brought in. Look at this. This is the uh, Vertex IPA that we're drinking on the show today with a BA score of eighty one. That's not that's not super great for beer advocate. No, it's not. No, it's not super great. Uh, what do you think though? It's got a seventy six IBU. It's all right. Yeah, I was hoping for more, honestly. Yeah, yeah. So you kind of you're you're agreeing with the? Uh... Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's not bad. It's a fine beer. All right. Well, let's crack. We'll crack up on our second let's one. Let's do it. And uh, we'll be drinking this throughout the show. If you at home want to pause and uh, grab yourself an IPA, you get to play along with our home version of the game. Also, uh, Virtual Lug, you're welcome to uh, crack one open. So, did you see the news that KDE Plasma 5.6 has a new feature, and that feature is support for the Unity launcher? According to uh, Mm. a developer, uh, this is over on Softpedia, according to an article over on Softpedia from from a developer they're citing, the new KDE 5, 5.6 release will focus on being more user-friendly by removing any functionality that you, the user, think stands in your way to accomplish your daily tasks, like maybe removing activities. Oh. There will be a lot of new features and updated applications in KDE Plasma 5.6 as well. Let's start with the new Unity launcher support, as it would appear that KDE Plasma 5.6 will borrow the Unity API from Canonical's Ubuntu Linux operating system to implement support for app notifications in the task manager, for example, Chromium web browser without a slip display download progress, uh, Telegram. Yeah, show. Telegram. Look at that. Yeah. But KDE devs are planning to extend the functionality to a major of other, uh, majority of other applications too, like Dolphin and uh, their task manager and Thunderbird and whatnot. I look forward to better media controls. I mean, I think we've all enjoyed that from yeah. Linux Mint and Co. Uh, what, what is going on here exactly? What's going? On? What's going? On? I mean, I love it. I'm not. I'm not disappointed in any sense of the of the word. But uh, why? Why? Why are we doing this? It seems like a change, yeah. In style, in direction for the. I just. Does anybody in the mumble room have any theories on why all of a sudden the pla- the KD pla- 
KDE Plasma Desktop all of a sudden has an interest this far into the project? Uh, am I missing something? Well, isn't it just functionality they don't already have? They don't have the the little uh, progress bar on the icon or the, right. the labels in the corner. They just and so they need that. to do so it, so they're going with I the... I guess it's just right. a sane API yeah. they can borrow. Which... In the same way that you know we use components out of KDE on Ubuntu. Now imagine if we just did this on a broader scale, okay? Just, <laughs> just stop and imagine for a second. You know what jumped out at me, though? And I don't really know what this means. And I don't know if anybody has any insights. Uh, it's going to focus on being more user-friendly by removing any functionality that you, the user, think stands in your way to accomplish your daily tasks. What the heck does that mean? Sounds like they're going to go GNOME 3 on this business. Right? And I'm sure that's not that. So is that what, it's kind of confusing. Yeah. When you read that, were you thinking it was a little? They're going to go with the removing activities. They're going to go gnome three up on this business. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Uh, although I'm curious about it, I'm really curious about it. So we'll see. I was, uh, you know, uh, I was reading the blog post of uh, some Linux switchers recently, and they landed on Plasma Desktop really? and loved it. So it appeals. It's it a appeals. good story to hear. And I, I really like that they're going with the uh, Unity API notification API because. Uh, well, a crap ton of stuff already uses that. So uh, I, I have gone on the record in the past and talked about ButterFS and my issues with it. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think I kind of, you know, it's interesting. You know, apparently, to, according to the uh, Linux Action Show subreddit, uh, I am just a strong hater of ButterFS. I'm, I'm, I'm a basher of ButterFS. Uh, know, according to the subreddit, you hate a lot of things, Chris. <laughs> I know. It's just mostly my neighbors. It's hard to be, hard to be around you. Uh <laughs> No. <laughs> Do go on. Oh, man. Hey, it's Danica Patrick. Enjoy this episode and use code Linux. All right. So here is, here's the question. Uh, in episode 399, you talked about ZFS as being more designed for the enterprise, while ButterFS is more suited for home use. But you never really said why you think that. Could you explain why you think this? Thanks. Love the show. ButterFS. And so I wanted to give my background with ButterFS. So I had it on five rigs. I got it still running on two of those rigs. Mm-hmm. Servers, laptops, desktops, you names it. I've tried it on a bunch of different rigs. For the most part, I didn't have a really great time. However, ButterFS, I think for, for a little bit of a little bit simpler, a little bit easier to understand, doesn't have some of the same memory requirements that ZFS has, which is a big one for the home desktop. And I think ButterFS is a little more, uh, like you can work on mounted file systems in a way you can't work on them with ZFS. But the other thing about ZFS and, uh, you know, even even huge advocates like Alan will admit this, it truly is a file system designed from the enterprise standpoint from the very beginning, and that includes the budget of an enterprise. So in, in a lot of times, the, the best case scenario is, well, you should do that with two or four drives at a time. Right. Two or four drives at a time. I, I can't afford to do two or four drives at a time all the time, right? So uh, ButterFS, if you're working on a tighter budget, you have less RAM. Um, very flexible. Yeah, maybe you Different don't want, drive maybe you want copy on write, maybe you don't want copy on write. There's just there's a lot of things like with ButterFS that it's going to come built into your Linux distribution. It's going to be right out of the box. It's going to be a little bit easier to set up because you're going to have built-in tools to use it because they're going to be built into the installer. It doesn't require quite the amount of memory that ZFS does if you really want to push it. So there's a lot of things about ButterFS I think that are better for home users just because it's that sort of starting spot for ButterFS, where ZFS, especially uh, in 16.04, there's going to be no graphical front-end hookups to it as far as we know at this point. Right. It's all command line to set it up. It's just not really feasible for home users. I think for my next home box I'll build, I think I might do ZFS. Yeah, and if you're a, you know, if you're a confident administrator, if you want to take the time to you know, really invest, it's great for that. And it you know, performs very well. It's a wonderful 
file mm-hmm. system. Mm-hmm. But I think you're right. I think what you talked about too with like um, it works very well and ButterFS works very well kind of in the cloud environments for yeah, servers for that you're going to spin up. You just yeah. want, you know, root, mm-hmm. you want root snapshots, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Wimpy, how long until Ubuntu Mate Edition lets me use uh, ZFS from the install menu? Uh, that's a very good question. Um, <laughs> there's a couple of file systems I'd like to see added to Ubiquity, and you never know. I've made a few um, contributions to Ubiquity in the last year or so, and nice. I might make some more. I'd like to see F2FS in there as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've, I do I do picture myself uh, – I don't know if you listened to Tech Talk today, but uh, we covered the uh, the new Skylake uh, Nux that haven't been announced yet, but they were, Intel was talking about it at CES. There's Skylake. They've got Thunderbolt three. They've got PCI Express three zero. So the you know the PCI the PCI hard drives are going to just be crazy fast. That's awesome. And you know you could get a couple of those things in there, and maybe an external drive array over Thunderbolt three using ZFS. That could be a, I mean that could be a really nice Linux rig. I'm definitely excited for the Ubuntu ZFS. I use uh, LXC for a lot of development stuff and use ZFS for snapshots on the back end. And right now you have to install the PPA and, you know, so if it's more integrated. Yeah, so I think that's sort of my thought. Anybody else have thoughts on using ZFS for your home or day-to-day rig as, you know, just maybe single hard drive even? It's a great choice if you want integrity. I used to do this all the time. The problem is I wanted to be able to defrag my disk, and so I had to go back to ButterFS. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That was really the main thing that pushed you back? Yeah. Really? Just getting performance out of it is what pushed me back, really, even though I did have a lot of RAM. Just having it fragment itself over time was kind of a problem. And, I mean, I could reformat, you know, every six months or something, kind of alleviate the problem. But I felt like ButterFS was just worth it because I was keeping good backups anyway. Yeah. I wasn't too worried about my data being silently corrupted. That's not going to happen. It's going to be very loud when it gets corrupted. And so if it did, I would just revert to a backup. Right, right. I never go. even had that happen. ButterFS has been rock solid. And it at least tells you, you know, pretty consistently right. if you right. have. Yeah. It's pretty obvious when ButterFS is going to corrupt your data if it does, and I just haven't had that issue. So as long as you're keeping good backups, I don't see the problem. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, so, Mr. Kitty, uh, you think it's kind of telling that before ButterFS even got a chance, ZFS is already arriving for Linux. Yeah, I thought it was really weird, especially, you know, BF, uh, BTRFS being native. Uh, to Linux, whereas ZFS is something that takes a lot of work to have to port over and all this and that, and it is rather telling that something that was uh, worked on for years uh, is uh, not as ready as something that uh, they had to port over and all that. Well, you know, ZFS has been worked on for years, too. Yeah. They also have quite the the open ZFS community. It's it's not like B3FS didn't get a a chance. It had its opportunity. Yeah, I agree. I think the market. I think the market is speaking right now, saying, "You know what? We watched it for a while, and now, now we know that our customers want something they can trust, and the brand ZFS is just stronger than brand Butter FS, and that's why you know Canonical is willing to shiv it into a LTS using DKMS to make it possible for you because the the customer demand there is so strong that that all of a sudden is deemed LTS worthy." Uh, because they need it in a long-term supported distro that people are shipping on their servers because that's where the customer demand is. And I think that right there demonstrates how much demand there must be seen if they're willing to do that. I also think the enterprise requirements are so you know so serious. Like that data really matters in some production yes. environments. And yeah. like uh, BSD now, they interviewed uh, Joss Pitz- Pitzel from uh, IX Systems. Yeah. And he said like, you know, OpenDFS has been around for like 10 years and even now it's still an immature file system. So 
Yeah. If that's the case for ZFS. Right. It makes sense that that would be that's, a better that position. Is a, that those. is absolutely how enterprises think. Yeah. Of course, they cover this a lot on BSD now. Yeah. They, yeah. That interview with Josh is great it's because great Josh is out in the field supporting a lot of different people's, uh, I, I jokingly called him the pool boy, but he's out there supporting <laughs> a lot of people's ZFS pools in production. And he's just, you know, he's just seen a huge aggregate of data. And so he's a, I mean, he's a in real world expert on it. Uh, and so he, over, he was over at IX Systems and they let us talk to him. And uh, so, yeah, that, that was a great episode. That was just last week's episode of BSD Now, too. Hmm. So you can go check that out. Hmm. Yeah. All right. The downtime is expensive. Data recovery is expensive. And RAM and disks are cheap. That's how the enterprise looks at ZFS. And that's why I really, when I say it's an enterprise-grade file system, it's even meant from an enterprise budget. ButterFS, I think, still has long-term potential. Definitely. But I just think its potential is it's not going to be these huge data sets. Uh, and I think for some of us who are willing to do the administrative overhead or understand, you know, philosophically what's great about file systems like ZFS that are constantly doing checksumming and things like that, we might choose to go ZFS over ButterFS, even though it offers some of the same features. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. So what will be, be interesting to see is now that, now that ZFS is sort of making um, gains in the Linux world, mm-hmm. um, it'll be interesting to see if B3FS just loses appeal at all or if it will be a slow burner and five, ten years from now it will emerge as an alternative. Yeah, it seems to me like... Because it's almost like the pressure's off now. Yeah, I almost wonder if it won't be like you format your root or your home partitions or var or user, you format those in ButterFS and your slash data or storage partitions are in ZFS. Because I wonder if one of the things that wouldn't push ButterFS forward just for like the OS-based OS is maybe some sort of software deployment that uses ButterFS subvolumes to deploy software. Right. Sort of like the Mac OS uses sparse volumes, uh, HFS sparse volumes to deploy software. We've talked to Lenart about that, and he says that's, in, that's entirely possible that, you know, we would mount a, a ButterFS volume and you would do a copy from the file systems. So you'd have the entire file system structure. And it would be make a lot of sense that you would have ButterFS. You wouldn't have to have ButterFS on your current file system to be able to mount a ButterFS file system. But right. I could really see it. I could see it, you know, integrating with snapshots and all that. It just makes right Linux administration easy. And it's just it's built right into the kernel. And I could just see it over the next few years becoming used for that. And then you just run it like that for a decade. And it's going to be a pretty tried. I mean, that's, that's really how Extended got right. its start. And then, it, you know, it, it's a tried and true file system now. So you don't a, think it's too early to call ButterFS dead on arrival yet? No. I don't think so. I don't know. You know, no, not for a lot of work cases. I think there might be some workloads where the brand is too tarnished for at least a while. Yeah, I don't think it's – I don't think in the next two, three I years it'll take over I just, large I, I data I think it's storage, kind of unfortunate because ZFS had so much more money poured into it than ButterFS did to start off with. Yeah, yeah. Like they had it under development for five years at Sun before it was released and they were right. pouring money in via developers at least three at a time. Yeah. Whereas ButterFS had Chris Mason for what, a couple of years on its own? With yeah, a couple people sending a, in patches. It is a totally different paradigm. It's still only like four or five people. It's not the same community. Mm. And we've also got um, BcacheFS, which has sort mm. of grown up out of um, right. the, the, the Bcache mm-hmm. initiative. And, mm-hmm. and they've now turned that into a, a full file system. So that's going to be another copy on right file system. So it'll be interesting to see how that develops over the coming years and uh, whether, you know, is it B3FS? Could it be BcacheFS? Is it going to be ZFS? But, you know, those desktop type um, scenarios you're looking at where you're doing snapshots of your system by means of um, backup for restore for continuity of running your machine, I think 
the jury's still out on that one. I think there's several contenders to own mm. that space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, boy. It, it, the And you know what? At the end of the day, we just have to remember we're in better shape than the Mac. Right. That's all that matters. Right. We're in better shape. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I couldn't help myself. And CFS is better than HFS Plus. Come on. I know. I know. You see, I didn't say anything. Is. I was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I want to talk about scale because there's some big changes that have happened. Plus, we have some interview stuff that Ooh. I think is pretty neat that we didn't get a chance to talk about before. So let's take a moment and tell you about how I'm going to stay connected while I'm going down to scale. And that's Ting. Go to linux.ting.com to support this show and get our discount. Ting is great. It's no contract and you only pay for what you use. Just your minutes, your messages, and your megabytes, and they have a great dashboard to manage all of it that makes it really easy, really easy and obvious as heck where you're at. Linux.ting.com. You'll get a $25 discount off your first device or, Wes, Whoa. little insider tip, they have GSM and CDMA. No way. I thought that was impossible. So if you got a phone compatible with one of their networks, you can bring it over and get $25 of service credit. Just saying. And they have great devices unlocked. You own them outright, or you can bring your own and manage it all with either the Ting dashboard, the Ting mobile app, or Ting's awesome radical customer support. No contracts, no early termination fees. I said no contracts. Yeah, if you're stuck in a duopoly contract, because you know they're even they're thinking about dropping those things, they have an ETF relief program. If you want a company that thinks that your internet should just be a dumb pipe, go check out Ting. Go check out Ting. They they believe in the dumb pipe. They want they want you to take their dumb pipe and put it in your device. That's what they want. You embrace Ting's pipe. Go to you Linux. couldn't refuse Ting, could you? No, no. They got a dumb pipe and they want you to take it. Go to Linux.ting.com. Check out their store. Browse around. See what they've got. And also, if you've been thinking about it. Experiment with their savings calculator. That thing is a lot of fun. It's nicely designed. It is. And, you know, you can actually plug it into your existing account if you want and then go get that business. And also, did you see the news that Ting got a great rating from Consumer Reports? It's pretty great. Linux.ting.com. great is an understatement there. Five things you didn't know Google Now could do. They have a great blog, too. They got a Ting tip. You know that Google Now, it does all kinds of things. Look at that. This is really nice. They put all that together. I'm not going to spoil it for you. Uh, also, did you know that Siri can beatbox? Did you know that? No, I did not. Yeah, let's try it right now. You ready? Okay. This uh, is live, everyone. Okay, let's give it a show. Hey, Siri, beatbox. Here's one I've been practicing boots and cats and boots and cats and boots and cats and boots and cats and boots. Here you I go. could do this all day. Cats and boots and cats. Yeah, no, we're good. We're good. You know what? So they got the iOS devices. They got the Android devices. They have the feature phones, all ranging at different prices. No contract. You only pay for what you use. The device is unlocked, including they got the Zing back again, which gives you that nice screen that tells you exactly how much data you've used. You can manage the Wi-Fi password. It is like, what? Are the, I'll show it to you right now. This is like you know you know you know those really crappy MiFi devices that have like their really crappy web interface. Oh yeah. You have to wait till their crappy DHCP server finally gets running so you get one of their IP addresses so you can log and it in. It doesn't their... register host names. It doesn't. It's do awful. Anything. No. So the Zing, it's all just right here on the touch screen. You get to see the Wi-Fi password. You can change the Wi-Fi password. You can see devices connected. I love it. Oh wow! Also, device they, is connected right there. Yeah, oh. it's, yeah. And they also That's offer, great. They Plush. offer they offer the Karma too. If you want to get on that Karma business, uh, go check them out. Linux.ting.com. Great devices, great plans, great people, and big supporters of net neutrality. Linux.ting.com and a big thanks to Ting for supporting Linux Unplugged. Linux.ting.com. All right. So first up, a couple of things about scale I want to mention. I had to move the time. I had to move the time of Whoa. our meetup. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, we go and set up our meeting, and then Corey Doctorow, he's like, hey, you know what? That looks like a great time and day. I'm going to schedule my Steal keynote. It. Yeah. So he scheduled his keynote for that time. 
So I'm like, well, uh, and you know what I really love is like some people in the meetup are like, I'll still come. I'll skip Cory Doctor's keynote. I'm like, oh my God, that guy is so cool. And the one guy's like, well, I could come for like a little bit and then I could maybe like sneak out. And I'm like, no, here's what we're going to do. We're going to just change it so that way we can all go see Cory Doctor's keynote. And instead of doing it really early so a whole bunch of geeks have to get up early after partying at scale, we're going to do it at lunch. And then you can go recruit other folks at lunch and then bring them to the meetup and we'll convert them to the Jupiter Broadcasting way. If you're going to be down in Pasadena at scale, go to meetup.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting. Uh, we got 21 people going already. We're going to get a power lunch after Cory Doctorow's uh, keynote and stuff. I'm pretty excited about it, Wes. So meetup.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting if you want to get in on that. You going to be there, Popey? I added you to the event uh, without even asking you. <laughs> yeah, I I went to the meetup when you last went to last time, and I was like, oh, I signed up. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> you know what? I was like, who do I know that's going to be down there, and I could give them admin access to this, so that way if they need to do something smart, I'm like, well, I'll add Pope. He's going to be down there. I trust him. He's the only guy. So I just like tossed you in there already. Like, good. That's taken care of. That's love. Yeah, you know, you got you got to spread the love. I'm excited. I hope the lunch works out. I hope maybe we can bring a few extra friends. You guys got to show up. I mean. Yeah. You're anywhere near there. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. Uh, and I don't know exactly how I'm getting there yet. Any of that's all up in So there, maybe but... pick Chris up off the side of the road on your right, way. Right, I'll be hitching. Uh, so I want to spend a little minute, or a couple of minutes here and uh, play uh, an interview from a couple of guys behind the scale effort. Now, there's a lot of people behind scale, but Ilian and Gareth are one of the people who are working very hard on bringing scale 14X together. And uh, Noah had a chance to talk with him last week. We played a couple of minutes of their interview in the Linux Action Show. And I got a couple of other minutes here I want to play for you about what's new at scale and uh, what's kind of cool and separating apart. And I think the context of it is, you know, things like Ubicon. Check it out. So we're one of the things that's happened with scale over the years is as we've grown, we've become a bit of a, a hub for other communities that want to run their events uh, in or around us. So, uh, for example, we'll be, you know, the... Uh, the Ubuntu the, the Ubuntu community will be running UbuCon, uh, yeah. which is their is going to be their their new user and developer conference uh, here at here at Scale this year. Leading into that, um, similarly, we have events from the Postgres community, the MySQL community, mm-hmm. uh, DevOps Day LA. So, so when you come to Scale, really, you're probably getting about ten events in in one, which is which is one great thing. Uh, so, in terms of the keynotes that you mentioned, uh, we've got folks like Corey Doctorow uh, will be coming out. Uh, uh, Mark Shuttleworth will be a keynote as well, talking about uh, um, you know how open source fits in fit, fits in a world of app stores and, and embedded devices where we don't necessarily you know have access to the what, 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 that we, we don't necessarily have access to um, you know to the source code as we're downloading from, from app stores things like that. And how, how do we make how do we continue to make open source be important in that in that sort of an environment? Uh-huh. Uh, and then the last keynote will be uh, Sarah Sharp um, talking about diversity in the open source community. She's a uh, a former Linux kernel developer that uh, ha- ha- has a lot of experience um, with with some of the challenges of being involved in our open source communities. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely terrific. Um, you know, and the other thing that I uh, I'm, I always look forward to, in addition to the actual keynotes, is a lot of the presentations that are given. Some, you know, they're not they're not necessarily everyone commuting in one big hall for one big presentation by a well known name, but sometimes. Uh, there are really cool presentations. I think it was last year, or maybe it was the year before, they had a, pre- uh, a presentation of 20 Linux commands that you never knew that you needed, but once you find out about them, they should have been included by default in the, di- in the distribution. And man, have I been able to implement some of that stuff. Um, are there any particular presentations that you personally, either of you, are looking forward to seeing? 
Well, I mean, going back to what I said before, um, where we where we started the conference um, to to be a conference that we wanted to attend. Um, I, I think the ironic thing in that is that most of us never actually get to go to the presentations because we're we're busy um, running the conference. Yeah. Um, yep. And so, but but one of the things that um, kind of touching on that, I'm I'm always excited to see is are those presentations kind of like what you mentioned, um, where you it's it's not a presentation that you necessarily or a talk that you necessarily think of ahead of time that like, Oh yeah, I'd, I'd really like to see a presentation on the 20 most commands that I didn't know about. Exactly. I'm, I'm excited about the presentations that those type of presentations, as well as the presentations by speakers that no one has ever heard of. Yeah. Because in my experience, those always end up being really awesome presentations and the exactly. speakers end up becoming like really well-known speakers. And, and it just, it it makes me feel really good that they got their start at, an, at our event. Yeah, right on. I'm, I, 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 I can't tell you how excited I am uh, to come to the conference. So now, uh, I kind of, uh, I've been hogging the mic here for a little bit, but Wes, have you ever been to an event like scale before? Have you ever, or have you gone to any kind of big Linux convention where there's a lot of people coming in? I went to scale once. Oh, you did. You, so I have been, I tell you what, uh, I have been avoiding scale. I've mentioned this before. I've been avoiding scale from the very beginning just because it's, you know, some of the, some of the events, they get too big. And then I feel like I, I don't want to go to them anymore. I'm kind of curious to see where they walk the line on this one, but I'm maybe, maybe next year, maybe next year we both go down. That sounds great. Wouldn't that be fun? That'd be really cool. Uh, and uh, yeah. So it, I hope to see you guys there at scale. Uh, anybody in the mumbrum, any other, any uh, Popey, uh, anybody have any, I've just had an email from one of the organizers saying that my talk has been accepted. What are you doing a talk on? What are you doing a talk on? A thing that I developed with uh, Stuart Language, uh, a kind of bot thing that we developed, and uh, it's quite cool. And I wanted to talk about it and how we developed it and how we did it in the community. Well, uh, congratulations. That's awesome. Very nice. Very nice. You know, they rejected that Alan Jude. Yeah, he had a talk. Well, rightly so. Yeah, I know. He probably (laughs) wanted to talk about BSD. BSD. Get that guy out of here. It's a Linux expo. Get him out of here. They can have a booth. But. Yeah, yeah. My here's my here would be the, my perfect scenario, and I think I'm going to do this at Linux Fest Ooh. Northwest. Oh, uh, I'm so excited! For it. Would be to park the rover outside the event, and then just like have people come out, like you know, meet them on the ground, be like, "Yeah, will you come out to to this location in the parking lot at this time and just do the interview there?" Cryptic GPS coordinates. It'd be amazing. It'd be, yeah, it'd be like a, <laughs> like a scavenger hunt. Yeah. Oh, that right. would be geocaching. Oh kind of man. Thing. Okay, now we're into it. Okay, so if we could do like a scavenger hunt where you could get little clues and they'd uh, they'd walk around the event and then end up at the rover and then do an interview on JV. <laughs> that would be amazing. Especially if we could have like GoPros mounted like key locations. Right. Okay. Well, maybe in the future one day. We can dream big. You never know. We dream now. Maybe in a few years we can achieve These it. These are the seeds of the future. These are the seeds. Okay. So uh, it's time for us to talk about Remix OS. Remix. I'm going to be honest. I didn't, uh, I didn't think uh, they'd do it. When, no, I saw the, when I saw the announcement, I didn't even cover it as news. Because I'm like, oh, come on. This is nothing. They got some crappy ARM-based PC that's too slow. Uh, and I'm not interested in that. And then they are going to supposedly release an ISO at some time in right. the future. When can I actually see this? Thing? Okay, yeah. Let me know when the code ships, and then we'll actually talk about it. Well, today the code shipped. Yeah, and uh, they were at CES. They had a booth. Wow. Giving demos. Uh, so we're going to cover all of that. Remix OS is a desktop operating system based on Android. Um, and the idea is to turn Android into a desktop 
per productivity platform. So instead of just content consumption, right. you can do content creation. So they're introducing windowing. They're introducing uh, file managers and things like this, uh, a launch bar and a menu. All these. Well, you're gonna. We'll show you more about it. And they're calling it Remix OS. You know, the idea would be it's a it's a serious contender to something like Chrome OS or right. uh, even perhaps the Linux desktop itself. Itself. Yeah. So before we get into that, I'm going to mention Linux Academy. I love Linux Academy. This has been something really fun to watch throughout 2015 is to see them grow. And they're not done in 2016. In fact, coming up on the 14th, they've got a big event. They've got some announcements. You can tune in and find out. Linux Academy is a great platform to learn about all the technologies around Linux and Linux itself. Start by going to linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. That supports the show, keeps us going. Let's Linux Academy know you heard about it here. They have so much to learn. And, and even if you've been using Linux forever, there's so much good stuff. Like, not only are you going to appreciate the fact that people are just truly enthusiastic and passionate about this, are putting together, putting together a great system, but as somebody who has, like, a pretty good sense of what's up and coming in the Linux world, I'm pretty damn impressed with what they've been able to turn around into great courseware and content. They have over 2,000 courses with video Instructor help is available, downloadable comprehensive study guides, distros all up the wazoo you can choose from, and the courseware adjusts to that. Virtual servers you SSH into, they spin up on demand as part of the courseware. I got to say it again, instructor help is available when you need it. I really think this is a platform you should check out. I would say, too, like if you've been stuck in a spot for a while, you need to kind of see what interests you. You want to kind of see what direction you want to go to. This is a safe playground because they have graded server exercises. While you're working on the system, you're going to get real-time information and feedback. That's going to give you a sense of where your strengths are pretty quickly. Plus, we just keep seeing success stories of people who've gotten the job after studying at Linux Academy. You know, there's yeah. a lot of interest in this area. Yeah. If you can show... That you, you know, through something like Linux Academy, that yeah. you're a competent yeah. Linux That user. is a nice thing, too. As Linux Academy is a rising star, you, you'll rise with them. And people in the industry know it already. Yeah. yeah. They, they have some really neat technology. Their scenario-based labs are pretty unique. The fact that they're following the technologies that they are following are great. You know, their nugget system for when you don't have a lot of time, you just want to deep dive into a single topic, it makes a lot of sense. They were on top. They had some of the first and best content on OpenStack before anybody else because when that was becoming a huge thing, they're like, well, this is obvious. Right. You know, and the same thing with Docker, right? It's the same thing with a lot of the technologies built around Linux now, and including AWS, that entire infrastructure. I, I really like it. And they've got some great stuff coming up just around the corner they're going to announce on the 14th. Go to linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. You'll get our discount. That's the big thing. But also you support this show. This is a really solid platform. And if, if I worked in a job where my educator paid for like a little bit of oh, – Right. Or my, my employer paid for a little bit of education, oh, man. That – like when I, when I had – when I was – when I worked for somebody else, a lot of times I was just – here's the budget for, for self-education. Right. You know, they could take online courses. I could go to like a – to a local, uh, you know, a college. But this is a great option. This is a really great option. So linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. <clears throat> Stay up to date on current technologies, too. That's what's really cool about it, is you can get all the current stuff, experts who are really passionate about it, instructor help available on demand, and you support this show. Holy smokes. That's a win-win-win. Linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. So Remix OS. Uh, I've been kicking the tires a little bit. Uh, Anybody in the mumble room tried Remix OS? Yep. All right. Okay. Okay. I did so. 
Oh, look at all of you guys. Look at I all guys of you are the guys. Installing it right now. Installing it right now. All right. Well, before we talk about it, let me set up a little bit about Remix OS, and they have a they have a video here to do that for us. So hey guys, let's do it. What's up? This is this is at CES. He takes a uh, thumb drive. He plugs it into a Dell PC. We're here at CES 2016, and we're really excited to announce Remix OS for PCs. It's a project, a collaborative project between Android x86 and ourselves. And on January 12th. It'll be available for free download globally. So let's take a look. Uh, this is the guest mode, resident mode selection screen. One saves no data, that's the guest mode, and the other saves all your data and apps, that's the resident mode. So let's go in and check it out. Uh, on the 12th, when you download, you're going to get two files. One is an ISO file, one is an EXE file. You're going to plug in a USB drive to a PC of your choice, and you're going to run the EXE file, load the ISO file into that program, and then install it onto a USB drive. All right, so we've done that. And, yep. uh, Poby, what were your uh, first uh, thoughts when you had tried it out? And what did you try it on? I don't uh, have, oh, so I tried in a VM. I, I didn't want to dedicate a machine to this. I yeah, that's what I did, too. I've, I've tried Android x86 on you know, various machines, in the past, and I thought I'd give this a go, but two things kind of threw me. Uh, one, uh, I, I'm guessing you've tried this. Have you read the end user license agreement? No, I didn't. I was. I've not gotten there. That's not the first thing I did. <laughs> did you? Yeah, did you I, read I'm it? guessing. Yeah, I'm guessing most people weren't. You probably want to read it. It's interesting, uh, and some of it is probably copy and pasted from somewhere else. And you can guess where from if I read you three lines from the EULA, if that's okay. Yeah. Uh, you agree that you irrevocably waive any and all ownership, legal and moral rights to your user content. How's that? Sounds um, like that sounds like they got it from really? Google. Right. Okay. This one will give you a better clue. You're also not allowed to oppose the basic principles determined in the Constitution of the People's Republic of China, harm its national honor or interests, or undermine its national religious policy, promoting cults and superstitions. What? Also, wow. You're not allowed to spread rumor, disturb social order, or undermine social stability. Okay, so that's a little odd. <laughs> yep. Wow. Because I like doing all of those bad. things. Those are my favorite things to do. Well, I mean, you're outside China, so you know, good luck, People's Republic of China, for enforcing those rules on those <laughs> of us in the free West. But if you did any of those things and then you went to China, you might have a bit of a problem. Huh. Don't go to China, Chris. So, yeah, because, yeah, I, I, I definitely can't go to China. You've so, done all of those just in the last 10 minutes. That sounds like a copy pasta, though, thing, right? I mean, that's got to yeah, be. Yeah, there's, right. there's other Chinese companies that have that. The Xiaomi phone company have it, like, right there on their website. It's pretty much the same kind of thing. Um, but, that, you know, that's what you get because they're, you know, at least part uh, Chinese company. Um, that aside, I did try it in a VM. And you have to be, you know, because it's Android and it's not a general purpose PC OS, you have to be very specific about the hardware that you give it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it doesn't work on every PC. It is a general purpose, but, you know, there are drivers missing. So you have to be, you have to tweak it a little bit in VirtualBox, for example. But it does boot. And um, it, it's very, it's very unlike Android in that it's, it's got um, windows for things like settings. I, I went to the settings screen and I was expecting to get smacked in the face with the usual full screen right, Android right. Nope. settings thing. Yep. But no, it looked like, you know, GNOME or Solus or something like that. It looked like a normal modern desktop operating system. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I fiddled around with some of the settings and some of it worked, some of it didn't. I went to get a Google Play APK. Uh, because it doesn't ship with Google Play. It doesn't have Chrome or anything. It's got, you know, none of the official apps. So I went to get the Google Play uh, APK, and that wouldn't install 
Uh, so, it's interesting. Well, actually, in, their, in their videos, they have the play. They do have the play and Chrome installed. Right. So they put that on. It's not on the ISO. Yeah. Okay. Um, I did try installing it, but it, it wouldn't open. But I didn't give it a huge amount of time. You know. But yeah. If I may step in here. Yeah. So I installed it, and there is in fact a semi-official version with gapps, and I created a USB uh, USB stick out of it, and it's running bleeding did fast. Did you find that? I, how did you? Where did you find that? Is that not part of the regular well, download? Or I I logged into the Freenode Remix OS channel, which is semi-official also, hmm. and so there were some leaking images, but on the official server, and there is a version from yesterday that comes with gapps installed. So I, I made an USB stick out of it and used it on an Acer Chromebook, and I was pretty successful. So it's bleeding fast. I played Star Wars Angry Birds on it. I was watching Love live it. TV. <laughs> so so it's, there is some potential in this, really. There is some potential. Yeah, there are uh, there are definitely some Android apps I wouldn't mind having on my on my desktop. Um, and you know you've got you've got some other nice serious applications. So uh, before we go on, I, they were at CES, and here's a, there's also so there's a hardware component uh, to this as well, uh, and a little more information about the project too. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Remix OS CES 2016 booth. For all the people who couldn't make it but really wanted to be here, I wanted to give you guys an inside look to what our booth looks like and what we're doing at our group, okay? And, and they actually, when you watch this video, they actually seem like kind of neat people. Uh, they, yeah, it seems like they're and, passionate and yeah. care about this. So um, here we are at CES International 2016. It's a Remix OS booth again. And we've got um, a few of our team members right now showing off our product line. As you can see, this is the end of the day here at CES, but it's still relatively busy at our booth. So let's take a look. Uh, yeah, don't mind him. Okay. Uh, this is Jeff behind the counter right now. And he's actually showing off, um, this is the Mini, which a lot of you already have, know and love. If you don't love it, write us write SS support. And uh, this is the Mini in action right here on this screen. We've been showing it off at the booth. It's been getting really well reception here at the show. If we move on down the line, this is uh, Owen, works with us on PR. And what you see here is... A very exciting project. Let's keep going down, and I'm going to show you this project right here. So here at the show, one of the biggest announcements we're making is this. This is the remix for PC. I like that they're. Uh, I like that they're uh, also just being really upfront. We're working with Android x86 to do this. I think that's kind of cool. What it is is we worked in collaboration with the Android x86 team put Remix OS on top of Android x86 and allowed Remix OS to boot from any Intel or AMD uh, chip uh, PC, tower, laptops, and about 60% of them out in the market or out in the world will work with this uh, ISO file. So uh, and so it's a pretty, 60%. it's a pretty, that's a pretty, you basically have to have, you know, some legacy USB support and things like that. But I don't know. I, I think it's, it's interesting that EULA obviously... Leaves me a little concerned, <laughs> but if I could install G apps or GAPS on this thing, and I could have uh, Chrome, and I could have Netflix and Plex, might be kind of compelling. Yeah. So when it comes to Chrome, Chrome is working without problems. So at least with the USB stick, and it's easy to create one. You just uh, 
download unit boot in from the repos and then you can create your stick. You don't even lose your data on your stick. It's just some persistent image files. So you get a system image, a data image and hmm. so on hmm. and a persistent okay. image for your data. So the rest of the data that you ha still have on the USB disk, the old data, is stays on the disk. So uh, it's really cool. Poby, what do you think about the fact that they're, they're essentially promising convergence? They're promising a desktop operating system that works with touch or the keyboard, and they're saying whichever one you want to use. Do you think it's possible to deliver it in this type of uh, it'll, windowed uh, system? Yeah, I, you know, it'll be as you'd expect Android to be on a on a desktop you know, with some modifications. I think one of the problems there'll be is they're constantly chasing Google because, you know, I.O. has just been announced is going to be in May and they'll be talking about the next version of Android. And so X Android x86 is always a little way behind um, upstream. And so they're constantly chasing Android. And, and part of that means that they've got to keep forward porting all of their work. So if they can keep that momentum going and they have enough contributors to to keep their stuff working then yeah they could they could end up having an interesting converged device there's a lot of android games i mean you know right there this could be an interesting desktop for some people i don't know yeah imagine imagine putting that on a chromebook yeah yeah and, and imagine doing it maybe at a school right where you don't want to necessarily be cooked up to google apps and uh, chrome but you want to take advantage of all of the development and applications and the fact that a lot of people you're hiring are going to know how to write android apps yep I think they're going to have to be a little bit careful. I mean, the, you can see why they've not put a public uh, URL up there with all the Google apps in there, but, you know, given it away on IRC and, you know, done it kind of under the table <laughs> kind of thing so that, you know, Google aren't going to come after them, which, you know, if they if they started doing that kind of publicly, then Google would come after them. And that's something they've got to worry about. They've got to have a, you know, or they build a relationship with Google and start doing it properly rather than, uh, you know, a, uh, based off of AOSP. Right. Yeah, that'd be a big indicator. See what happens. Huh. Yeah, and uh, hopefully they don't go the way of CyanogenMod and start integrating Microsoft through all the OS like that's been happening lately. But Cortana's our friend. Cortana, and like you can now, uh, you can you can get Microsoft services. It's just all over it. It's just really great. They give a shout, they give a shout out to Ubuntu on their, on their page too. Uh, so anyways, if you're out there, tried Remix OS, let us know what you think. LinuxActionShield at reddit.com. Anybody else in the mumbo room trying it or have any other thoughts they want to share about Remix OS, remix, remix, OS, nope. I did happen to just notice that they're already on 2.0 on the latest ones. Oh, wow. oh, 2.0, yeah. And at a booth at CES, that suggests some funding, don't yeah, you think? Right? It's a serious project. Yeah, that's not a cheap thing to pull to, off. To. Yeah. So that's, uh, and they're also touting the performance. They say we've beat, we've benchmarked remix OS performance using remix OS uh, for PCs against some of the best Android hardware in the biz. And quite honestly, nothing comes close. So they they show this benchmark here. This is so funny. <laughs> this they show this benchmark here of Remix OS for the PC wow. running on an i7 4790 quad core <laughs> up against a Galaxy Five Note and a Galaxy S6, and it just it is just like it's not even in the same dimension. It's so much <laughs> the i7 is so much faster. Well, yeah, you think? <laughs> I guess the point is you could run your Android apps on a really fast machine. That would be kind of interesting. Yeah, but um, yeah, I could see installing this for like. Uh grandparent or something if they you know they're already familiar maybe with android on a tablet oh i see the internet is already beginning to gripe about the eula so the issues about the eula <laughs> have uh yeah look at that you know i did see the eula come up first thing when i when i loaded it uh 
Harming national well, honor they, and interest. National honor, boy. This that's, will be played back to you in a Chinese court in like three years, Chris. That is a loose definition. Rue this day. Yeah, well. What do they do about uh, security updates? I don't you know. know. That's whole, a very good question. You know, Think about uh, Android um, on you know, Nexus devices getting a regular cadence of security updates. Uh, are we? I mean, obviously this is an alpha, so it's completely unsupported and there will be no security updates, which is fair enough, as you'd expect. But I'd be interested to know what the future holds and what their plans are for delivering updates to all those, you know, PC users or right. you know, USB. But it sounds like they have the operating system fairly separated out from user data. And so then they, maybe they have something in mind that will be fairly manageable. I don't know. Yeah. Have to wait and see. You know, uh, so here we are. We're towards the end of the show when we are towards the end of the second uh, Vertex IPA. And I got to say, I mean, I'm glad you brought it. But I'm not loving the aftertaste. No, I'm even. not either. That's kind of disappointed. It's a little, it's a little dank in my mouth. Yeah. Right now, I feel like I'm going to need a couple of cups of a couple of glasses of water after this. Would not buy again. Yeah, that's too bad. I like the. I like the bot. I mean, the can is. It's yeah, nice it's got a good can. design on there. The dude's got a flag and he's got a nice hat. I like that. It's very nice. It seemed like it was made with care, but yeah, uh, yeah. six point three percent, huh? Where did you pick this up? Uh, Hagen. Okay. Well, there you go. You know, Hagen's got a good selection. It was a good try. It was a good solid try. I mean, I, I'll do I would, better next week. I would. I would also pick that one up. I can't. I don't think you can really be blamed for that. Okay. Wes. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Chris. Uh, all right. Well, so we have an interesting thread that uh, Wes found this week. He's like, I think we got to talk about this on the show, and uh, I guess I kind of agree. And I wonder if I want to challenge the premise a little bit too. Uh, but before we get to that, good talk about DigitalOcean. D O. The big D O, and use the promo code D O unplugged, all one word, lowercase. Guess what? $10 credit. Whoa. Linux rigs up in the cloud, y'all, on demand, less than 55 seconds. $5 a month, you get 512 megabytes of RAM, a 20 gigabyte SSD, one CPU, and a terabyte of transfer. A terabyte of transfer over at DigitalOcean.com. And if you use the promo code DO Unplugged, $10 credit, you can try out that $5 rig two months for free. And they've got data center locations in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, London, Germany, and... Chilling with Alan Jude up in Toronto. Hey, hey. Yeah, yeah. I think he just stops in there from time to time. Yeah, I don't know for sure. Uh, but really what I like about DigitalOcean, well, I, I mean, I don't know why nobody else can figure this out, but boy, has DigitalOcean got just a huge head start on everybody. So yeah, they've got SSDs. That's brilliant. They just, you know, they got in on that super early before any other p- provider out there was willing to spend the money. So they they totally leveraged that. Uh, I think they were brilliant in the fact that they they jumped on KVM and started building their product around KVM way before other vendors were willing to consider KVM. Now they're just introducing KVM as a feature, right? But they're struggling. They're struggling to keep up. And then they brought it all together with the incredible interface over DigitalOcean. It's very simple, very intuitive, and very powerful. It lets you destroy machines, deploy machines, one-click application deployments of entire stacks. Or, you know, you want like you want everything from Ubuntu, Apache, and a blogging platform in a single click. Boom, it all gets deployed for you. Or maybe you just want the base operating system. they got a bunch of great distributions you get to choose from. Ubuntu, CentOS, Debian, Fedora, CoreOS, and even FreeBSD. One-click applications you can deploy. Fantastic tutorials and incredible prices. Go to DigitalOcean.com and use the promo code Unplugged and see why it's been my Linux infrastructure on demand whenever's. I need it. I mean, really, at $5 a month, there's almost nothing I won't spin up on a DigitalOcean droplet. So I got an idea, Chris. Yeah. So sometimes I just don't have a great route somewhere. You mm-hmm. know, Comcast, it's, everyone's on Comcast. Oh. 
and I get frustrated. Maybe I'm talking to Europe. It's the worst. You know, maybe uh, with last Asia. remember last Tuesdays, you're having all kinds of issues. All kinds of issues. Yes. Right. But uh, so what I do? What I'm, I'm thinking maybe a, a script with their API is here. We need yeah. you spin up a Do droplet, whatever's closest to you. All you right. know, you could probably figure that out. I do the same for myself. Yeah. And then SSH. Did you know you can spin up uh, tunnel interfaces? Oh yeah. And have SSH provide oh, yeah. IP transit. Yeah. So you just you spin that right. Oh up, yeah. And then bam, you route everything through your new. Have done that. Spanking new oh, digital yeah. ocean. Oh yeah. I have. I have legitimately done that when we've had Comcast issues. Right. Yeah. So what also, if there's a one? But I'm just saying there's other things in like Amsterdam. That you might, yeah, you mean you London? Your... I'm saying there might be a reason why you want to be located in London. I'm not saying what it is, but the, or if you're in London, all of a sudden it'd be really useful to be located in New York or right. Singapore or or, San, or Toronto or maybe San Francisco. DigitalOcean makes it that easy. It does for five dollars a month, and if you use the promo code DO Unplugged, you get it two months for free. So a big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Linux Unplugged program. You guys are the rock source. All right. So what do you do when you keep getting the Geek Squad treatment? He says, I'm an IT manager for a website. I manage developers and perform a lot of hands-on activities at work. I'm not really a hardware tech anymore. However, friends and family rarely make the decision, or I'm sorry, distinction, when their tablet or their laptop or their desktop is broken, and they often ask me for help, obviously without any compensation. As a matter of gentlemanly discourse, I never ask for technical professional help from any of my friends or family. If I do, which isn't often, I pay in exchange for the favor immediately or simply ask for instructions. I also don't intrude on their personal time or expect anything inside a schedule. Call these my, I call these my golden rules of personal professional exchange. But for some time now, certain family members and close friends have mistakenly begun to treat me like the Geek Squad, except without pain and certainly just as insistent and impolite as one of their customers. I don't mind helping and I don't understand their frustration. I, and I understand their frustration. But it started to chat me a little bit. People get snippy when I don't feel like helping, and they rely on me during outside hours, quote-unquote, which cuts into my personal time, and weirdly enough, blame me for their troubles. As if I'm the one getting their pet hair into their desktop, overheating their ultrabook <laughs> while gaming from the comfort of their comforter, or clicking pop-ups I shouldn't from an insurance browser, from an insecure browser. Or I'm the one who invited their breaking, uh, breaking out their phone and breaking their Gorilla Glass. Do I seem bitter? Maybe. Anyways, here's the question. Has anyone found a polite, quick, sensitive way to immediately shut down friends and family when they ask you to be the Geek Squad? I haven't really found a foolproof rejection, anti-rejection method. Um, <laughs> and I was wondering, when we look at this, what our mumble room and what Wes thinks, uh, because a lot of us probably get called in as the technical support, I imagine, in this audience. I know I certainly do. Uh, in fact, you know, and because I, uh, I know my mom's not going to listen to this, <laughs> I just call her out. Uh, so this last Sunday after the Linux Action Show, okay, or I should back up even further. So about a week ago, my mom messages me and she says, "Who do you use for hosting?" And I respond, "DigitalOcean, right?" <laughs> right. And I'm like, "Why does my mom care, right?" <laughs> How so, is she even asking? And then, like this? the next day, she, my mom replies to me, "Oh, I see they support HTML," and I'm like, <laughs> "Oh my god." <laughs> Yeah, mom, they support HTML after you deploy the Linux server, you set up the Apache web server, and then you can, <laughs> like, or you, like, do the one-click app, app deployment. But, like, my, you know, mom's not, no. mom's not following exactly what needs to happen here. And so I'm like, mom, I'm not sure, so sure you understand. So then she messages me, like, a couple of days ago, well, I would like to see you this weekend. When can, when can we get together? And I tell her, well, I have a little bit of time after I'm done with the Linux Action Show on Sunday. But, you know, really, like... I just got done with the show. What I would like to do is relax. Right. I would like on to your, chill like, out. a little bit of weekend. 
Yeah, like I got like a couple hours left on this Sunday. There's a couch over there. Man, that sounds good. No, so mom wants to come up and she wants to consult with me on her new business endeavors website. And it doesn't really, there's not like a lot of discussion about like how busy I've been or the fact <laughs> that I'm prepping to go to scale, trying to get a new rig. Running a business. Running my own business. It was my daughter's birthday. Uh, it was also an anniversary. And then on top of all of that, like I'm doing the show this weekend. Like there was no consideration. There's not really like, a, I don't really have a good way to say Sorry, mom. Like, I know this is important to you, but I also have a life. Like, I don't really know how to have that. Have you ever been in a position like that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, there's there's a big difference. There's just some users that they don't understand. Like, because you have the ability, ergo, you are right. you are obligated to help. It's not. Yeah, it's not placing value on your time. And sometimes you just have to tell people that. Uh, Marks, do you think it's weird to get into the uh, discussion of monetary exchange for these things? Um, I'm not sure about monetary exchange when it comes to family, but maybe some sort of like for like thing, because, you know, say you've got a family, you know, say your sister's a nurse, you might ask her to, you know, take a look at your foot when it's, if you've got something wrong with it and you wouldn't, well, I mean, obviously your, your health system's different. Of course we wouldn't pay for, uh, for something like that over here, <laughs> but, um, you know, Quiet if, you. if, if you, <laughs> if you've got um if you've got a family member who has a profession and you'd you'd maybe expect them or not necessarily expect them ask them to help you out with something based on their knowledge then yeah sure maybe uh you doing tech support for them for free isn't a big deal here is my current excuse and this is why i couldn't get out of the one with my mom because i gotta go to this pretty solid and because if they are willing to take me up on it i'm willing to commit and my go-to is you know, I switched away from Linux uh, after Windows XP, and I don't really know Windows anymore. I'm a Linux user. And so if you want to switch to Linux, I can help you with that. And if they do it, if they buy it, I'm like, all right, I'll commit You'll to that. Do it, right. Yeah, I, like, I don't mind. But when it comes to server hosting stuff, like, what, well, what do I say? Yeah, well, uh, sorry, Mom, I and used to no support. There's no middle ground there, no. right? Like, it's, it's not like you give her some tips on server administration. Yeah. It's like, no, now you're administering yeah. her server. Yeah. Yeah, Popey, everybody in your family must know you work for a technology company. You must get this. Yeah, I, so there's a couple of things. Like, my brother is completely non-technical. He's a hairdresser. I can't huh. cut my own hair. He cuts my hair. I sort <laughs> his computers out. So there's a, there's a, as Mark said, if there's someone in your family who can do something. So that, that That's seems nice. reasonable to me. Um, however, I... I can't say no to my mum. Right. And I, right. I couldn't say no to my mother in law. In fact, yeah. while you've been on air, my mother in law <laughs> has, has pinned me on Facebook and said, yes. Hey, that new hard drive has arrived for me to do uh, time machine backups on my Mac. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, but it, the box says it needs formatting for a Mac. And I'm, my reply was, Yeah, well, that's fine. Do you want me to help? Because she's my mother in law right. and she will cook yeah. me roast dinners. There like, is that. Sunday, there is that. Like, that is an exchange I'm willing so, to go down and, with. I'm and, not, the, yeah. and the flip side, and also point out, she is your mum, dude. No, I'm you helping know? her. I'm helping her. But I'm telling you, like, I do like, feel like I get roped into this stuff. Now, the mom one is a difficult one. Uh, yes. Wimpy, you must have this with the family, too, right? I, I mean, they, everybody must be aware of what you do. They must be aware you're a technical guy. Uh, yeah, and Ubuntu Mate was the solution to that problem. So like yourself, <laughs> you, know, you get these questions about, you know, um, well, some of the, so on my wife's side of the family, all of all of those got migrated to Ubuntu for six so a long time ago. And on my side of the family, there've been a little bit more resistance. And I played the same card. Oh well, you know, I haven't used Windows for years. You know, I stopped using Linux uh, Windows a long, long time ago. Uh, I really don't know how it works. And right. then um, on my wife's side of the family, they were still running ten oh four. 
uh, that was getting quite out of date and we tried some things and then Ubuntu Mate sort of got created to sort of support them. So now uh, my solution to this problem is basically you spend 20 years using and learning Linux, you then create a Linux distribution, you then form a hardware partnership with a local mm -hmm. hardware company <laughs> and when your family say they need help you say go to this website buy this computer <laughs> and it comes pre-installed and i never have to do anything that is a, unfortunately <laughs> the links you really have to That's go amazing. to yeah <laughs> that and, tells you something and it, it sounds it sounds sarcastic but it's true because three of my family have now bought computers from entroware and have had them shipped pre-installed with ubuntu mate and I haven't had to be involved, I haven't <laughs> had to go around there, it just works. So it's paid off. Yeah, unfortunately. Didn't you also, uh, there's now... and didn't you also buy and set up routers for all of your family? I did, yes. Yeah, did that's a that. good move. That is a good move. That <laughs> is a good flash call. them all with gargoyle. Yeah, but, I think um, that's I think the, that's something I'm gonna be doing too. The drawback to this approach is every month there are 10,000 other people who I don't know on the internet that are now all demanding support. Yeah. <laughs> right. There is that problem. But you could think of them as extended family testers. They're testing yeah, for well, your family. They're, they're a new group of friends I didn't have a year ago, so right. it's all good. Yeah. I, uh, I had, like I think I mentioned a few weeks ago, I had a successful switch over the holidays. I was out. I went somewhere. I didn't even have an internet connection when wow. I did it, and I had an Ubuntu Mate uh, this is bragging rights. No internet connection. No internet oh, connection, no. and I had I had I already had it flashed to a thumb drive because I actually used my laptop bag to pack my clothes in. And I took the laptop out right. and I put my clothes in there, but I I left my front thing that has all my thumb drives loaded because like I'm not going to unload all that crap. No, no. And uh, so I was like, I got there. The guy was having problems with Windows 8.1. He was thinking about getting a Mac, and I was like, try this. And so dun, 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 dun. Mm -hmm. it worked out pretty good. It was a good success. It was like, Excellent. hey, I had a, I had a Linux switch story over the holidays. That's like, it amazing. Was amazing. Yeah. So uh, I agree. There is two solutions that I feel pretty good about when it's your mom or your mother-in-law or or if you get them to switch to Linux. Those are the conditions in which you should support them. I think. But here's the thing. Remember, we can also be ambassadors. We can be ambassadors right. to these people in times of need. So if you have the emotional capacity, I encourage you to. entirely daily. optional. Yeah. I mean, it's all on. You got to check with yourself. You got to ABC. Always be checking before you commit. But I'm just saying. If you can, you could be an ambassador to the open source world. It's an opportunity to switch or at least get them started on maybe moving from Outlook to Thunderbird or from Internet Explorer to Firefox, right? There's so many different ways you can sometimes solve problems. Like if they're having a malware issue on their Windows box, get them going with Firefox. Yep. And that gets them started on the path and then down the road, the switch is a lot easier. I'd also have to say the article did the, touch um, on this, but uh, if you get some sort of beverage or delicious food item in exchange, that sometimes can work out as well. Yeah. Mm. And, and and a bit like you've just said, the the other good one is um, I think the non technical people in the family are becoming more aware of uh, the security implications of running older Windows operating systems. So what I've started doing is saying, here's a USB stick that boots Linux. When you need to do your online banking or your online shopping, use this because it's secure and it will forget everything that you've just done when you unplug it. Ah, so it's like and Linux it's, on training wheels because you're just doing it for a little bit. You're just using it for some web browsing stuff and it's for... for Your important to, stuff. You know, to be <laughs> secure, yeah, yeah. And and that sort of makes them think, oh, you know, this is just like any other computer. Right? This isn't complicated. This isn't daunting. And it's just a little sort of, you know, taster. 
that's actually really smart because then later on, when they want to move on, you'd be like, you know, that operating system you've been used for all your really important stuff? Why don't you just use that all the time? Right. And it's like, oh, exactly. well, yeah, I trust they that. Trust it. Yeah, yeah that, I like it. Oh, ooh, that. That, is some, that is some like level two, like psychological switcher stuff right there. I like it. You could even lot. have it already <laughs> dual boot. Yeah. Uh, Pocket Casey in the chat room asked if I, when I have time, would I love to, he'd love to see a little coverage of the Tink Talk. That would be really that cool. That would be very scale. interesting. So yeah. Pocket Casey, if you could tweet me the day of that talk, you could be the ambassador of that talk if you want and remind me while I'm there. I'll try to do it. But tell, ask me now. There's no way I can remember. But I would like to see that one. Yeah, I would as well. Because I, I didn't even hear about Tink until Wes came along and started talking Still about it. Still using it. LinuxActionShow.reddit.com. That's the subreddit you go to to submit content to the show or feedback next week. Uh, because of scale, uh, Noah will be sitting in for me. So it'll be Wes and Noah in the mumble room. Hey. hey. Yeah. Yeah. That should be a good time. And uh, – I he'll you know, you guys maybe might want to get the ball rolling earlier in Slack than we normally do. Yeah, we're pretty quick now. We've That's got it down. True. That's we, true. We got it down. But you know, no, that guy's new. That guy, he doesn't. He, you know, so you got to watch out for him. So uh, go we'll check it, it out. Happen. Thank you very much for being here, everybody. We do the Linux Unplugged show live on Tuesdays over at jblive.tv at two p.m. Is that right or one p.m.? I believe it's two. Chris. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. hmm. Seems really Definitely late in the day, Wes. Too. Seems pretty wet. Huh. You know what? If I got confused, well, I would Linux just... Linux users sleep late. If I got confused, I would just go to jupiterbroadcasting.com oh, slash calendar. Perfect. That's what I would do. That's perfect. That would converge to my local time zone. You could, show, you could show up live, hang out in our virtual log, hang out in our chat room. But if you can't, just download it. We've got RSS feeds. We appreciate it. LinuxActionShow.reddit.com, jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact to send us feedback. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we'll see you right back here next week. Well, they will. See that wears West there. Hey, they're worse. You see that? Uh, uh, Marcus is trying out Envy. You enjoyed it? Then? Yeah. So uh, tell us. So what do you think, Marcus? Here you go, Wes, I got you. What do you oh. think, Marcus? What do you think of the Envy? Yeah, it's really good um, because I've got um, uh, a Cody box in my living room, uh-huh. um, and I've been um, having reasonable success with with managing my library on it. But I I I like having all my music on my server and streaming that. So I've had um, Ampachi running on there for a while. Um, which is fairly decent, but it only does music, and I've got my videos on the server too, so right. it's nice to just have one solution. So I thought I'd stick MB on there and give it a go. Um, and I found uh, it does the video library really well and syncs that to Kodi nicely. It doesn't sync the video library to Kodi so nicely for some reason, but um, because it's got the remote control feature, you right. can just um, you just go into the web interface or the app on MB and you say send it to Kodi, Mm-hmm. And it just that does work very well. It's brilliant. Are you using the uh, the MB plugin at all for Cody? Uh, yeah, so oh, that's okay. what I, I think you you put the MB plugin in, and that's what syncs your mu- your video library, I think, and it also means that then your other MB apps will recognize right. it as somewhere that you can send media. <laughs> it's worked very well, my. But you're saying the music part does not work as well? Uh, well, it works, but only if you use 
another app to, to like select the playlist right. or the music. So it doesn't huh. sync the music library to Cody's music library for some reason. Wes, Wes, are you there? I am. Can you hear me, Wes? Is Chris recording yet? Yes. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Why, why? Why? What's wrong? I've got a question for you, Chris. Mm, yeah, what's that? Has oh. your Libra 15 arrived yet? <laughs> <laughs> No, that is, you know what, you know what, I don't, I don't even know what to say because now I'm going on this trip and I'm, I'm, I am literally in the position of like, oh, I'm like, which one of the, which one of the machines can I sacrifice in the studio and not disrupt the shows that will be going next week? Because the thing They're is, all doing is a job. what if I need to do production from the road? Like, what if I need to do some production from the road? Can I do it all on my XPS 13? I don't think so. I need a larger screen machine. Right. So it's just, mm. oh, oh, oh. Yeah, I would, I would, uh, I would do anything to have that a rig. Big monitor built into the rover. You know what I would like at this point? Anything you is, say? Anything? I, I would just like. You know what? To be honest with you, at this point, I would just like a refund. I think, and I just need to get hey, something. You should contact them and ask them if they're coming to scale, and maybe they could bring your laptop along. Yeah, I should. I wonder if they will be at scale. Oh, I wonder. Hmm. You should drive the rover over to their office and then just camp outside until they give Empty. you one. Empty your black tank in their in their general direction. <laughs> wow! <laughs> I empty my tank in your direction, sir. <laughs> Yikes! Yikes! So you know the thing is, is uh, I've driven a gas vehicle my entire life, and this thing runs on top of basically a diesel chassis, right? It's a it is a diesel. It is more. It's more of a diesel truck than it is anything else. Right. So it's got like air brakes and air suspension and it has like glow plugs and like all the a DEF and a DEF tank to help reduce the diesel emissions. Uh, and so it's got like all this stuff that I have to learn how to really operate. Scaling up here. Plus wow. it's got plus it's got a built-in generator with an auto start system so I can set conditions for when the generator automatically kicks in. But like oh, I, I gotta learn how to manage all of these <laughs> things in like well, tomorrow morning, basically, and I don't have a great memory, so <laughs> I think what it really means is, is Chris is going to. That's why you should record it. I'm going to be Google. Yes, exactly. That's why I probably will record. It. I'm, and I'm going to be googling while on the road. Oh. the good news is diesel is quite a bit cheaper than uh, gasoline fuel right now, so that's that's the good and, news. Yeah, yeah, that's great, and it's more um, more efficient as well. Yeah, and they, with- they might look at you a little funny if you show up with a GoPro on a bicycle helmet, though. Yeah, well, it, it is a lot to learn before the trip, but I had to learn everything about the the rover before the last trip, and I managed to pull that off. So I got I I am I'm up for the challenge, I think. But it is a lot. It is a lot to when I think about it. It is a lot to go through, and then then maybe none of it happens, and then maybe I just end up taking the truck and the and the rover, and then they, it's 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 whatever. It's no big deal. Still get to hang out so, on the rover. Yeah. I fa- I found it interesting listening to you talking about the rover and then sort of ending up living in the rover and then enjoying that space. Yeah. And I can identify with this because uh, my wife's parents have got a barge and I absolutely love living on the barge. This is a a narrowboat that goes up and down the uh, canals in the UK. So very thin and long. So not much space, but I kind of like the efficiency of living that you have to adopt when you're living in Mm -hmm. and you know, small space like that. So what mm-hmm. is it about living in the RV that 
that you find attractive. Yeah, it's pre- it's definitely an aspect of that. So, uh, like, uh, there's no reason for me to go to a furniture store because I'm not going to be able to buy anything in that furniture furniture <laughs> store and bring bring it home. And that it, it's sort of freeing. Uh, like, <laughs> when we have a really big mess to clean up, it takes 10, 15 minutes, and the entire space is immaculate. And it's so nice. Uh, th- so there is a lot less need of things, and there's a lot less... Uh, like maintenance and maintaining that a big place comes with. You know, a a big place gets cluttered up. There's stuff all over all of the – wherever there's counter space or or, or wherever there's a a flat surface, stuff ends up getting stacked on top of it. And then they have have yards that have to be maintained, and I don't have time or energy for that. And uh, I also hate my neighbors. Like I constantly (laughs) – I I look for things – like there's a new guy. There's Ooh, a new guy yeah. who he's a renter that lives over in the house across over there, Ooh, yes. and he's out there and he's smoking all the time when I'm outside. So you know, I'm here, I am loading, unloading stuff from the back of my truck, you know, grunting and huffing and puffing, and this guy's just sitting out there for like 20 minutes watching me, like a 20 minute smoke break, just sitting there staring at me the whole time. And then one Doesn't time, even offer to help. And then, like two weeks into it, I get out of my truck and I lock it, and I'm walking in. And he says, "Hey, your lights are on." Now. I have been doing this for two weeks since this guy's moved in, and he's the lights have always automatically turned themselves off. They have, since the first time he's seen me show up, for two weeks in a row, the lights automatically turn themselves off, and then two weeks into it, he's like, hey, your lights. And, like, and I'm like, I just stopped there. I'm like, well, yeah, they turn the... <laughs> and it's not even like I have a, like some fancy. It's a 2012. It's not some fancy vehicle, right? The lights just turn themselves off. So anyways, I, I, I developed ticks. About like, and then I can tell you about these guys. Let me tell you about these guys right Ooh, here. Oh, these guys! These guys right here—they're coming and going at the same time. I am all the time. Now, honestly, how long ago did I tell you about this? No, it's true. He's, it's <laughs> I observed the same thing, I, and I've complained about it. I've even yeah. sent you pictures of them coming <laughs> and going when I'm coming and going. Yep. Why are they always coming and going when I'm coming and going? I come and go at weird times. I'm a podcaster, and yet they're coming and going at weird times. It's suspicious. <laughs> Maybe they have a. Podcast. It's almost like have they listen to the live stream, and then Ooh. they're coming and going when I'm coming and going. <laughs> That'd be a great way to spy on your neighbor. Oh, well, he just has this live stream. Yeah, so, and then, and then, and then this is another one where I think maybe I am, I have some sort of condition. Uh, I'm not very good mm-hmm. at... Certifiable. Uh, so the, there's the neighbor thing. So I like the ability. I like the ability to pick up and move. So there might be some sort of condition there where I just start to develop ticks about the people. You know what it is? Is I observe a lot of patterns in people, and then when they when they have bad patterns, I can't help but notice them, and then they drive me crazy because then like I have to build the narrative around why they have such an awful pattern in their life. Anyways, so it's nice to be able to pick up and move. So that's one you know plus for the for the mobile lifestyle. Screw y'all, but, I'm out of here. You know the other thing is is I really I really put a lot of my time and energy into the network, like so much so that I'm negligent to other aspects of my life. Not and it doesn't really matter how important it is. It's like right. could be it could be a health issue. It could be uh, taking care of personal insurance. It doesn't really matter what it is. I'm just not very good at addressing it. And along with that comes things like all of the crap you have to to manage and pay. And when I mean manage, I mean even having to like go into bill pay and set up payments and, 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 and send checks to your power company and your water company and your cable company and, and the garbage company and all this all the all of the different organizations or or utilities that you have to pay when you own a house they just drive me crazy. I don't have time to manage that. I don't want to bother with any of it. And so one of the nice things about where I'm staying at is it's all just part of the deal. I pay a flat $35, and it's just all part of the deal. I can use as much power as I want. I use as much water as I want. The garbage is built in. All of it's one. It's just one $35 charge wow. that automatically goes on my card. 
and that and I, I don't have to I don't have to mail anybody a check. Nothing. It's just very simple for me to manage, and it lets me focus on other things. So. The smaller space lets me not have to focus on maintaining my house and making it look nice and not having to worry about the yard. And the smaller space keeps it efficient. I don't need to buy a lot. Like uh, if I do get this new rig, you know, along with that new rig is, well, that's also my couch and my dining room table and my oven and my microwave and my refrigerator. And so and my king size bed now. All of it will right. just be part of like. I, otherwise, I would have to go out and buy all of those things individually. Like I don't have any of those things anymore, so I would have to go buy a couch. I would have to go buy a dining room table set with chairs, and I would have to go buy recl- recliner chairs, and I would have to go buy the televisions. I don't have any televisions, right? I'd have to go buy the televisions and the bedding and all of that stuff. It, when you when you get a nice rig, it just all is nice and it all just comes with it. And so it not only does it check all those other boxes, but it also is mobile, which is great for me to go do these events right. and do productions on the road. And it has all, it checks all the boxes as far as things you'd have to buy when you get a house that just come with it. Built right in. Yeah. I like it a lot. And on top of all of that, it's pretty damn green because uh, at max, it can only pull 50 amps, which it, you're never going to pull that much. And, uh, and the average U.S. house is 200 amps. So uh, by, uh, it uses less power. It, has, it uses way less water. In fact, we're actually very acutely aware of exactly how much water we use every single week. I know in gallons. When's the last time you knew in gallons exactly how much water you use every single week? Absolutely never. Right. Yeah, you need to live in the UK. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, so, you know, I, I mean, it's, it's very like we're – and because also it's a smaller space, we're buying less food. We have less waste. We have less things we're getting that we're not using. So it feels like it's also, as a side effect, a greener way to live. Which it I also like. gives you a lot more, uh, you know, when you're not you're not having to you know go shopping for furniture and you're not having to spend so much time tidying and and all that kind of stuff. It gives you a lot more time to rant to us online, I think, and that's, that's <laughs> the real priority. <laughs>